Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another day, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Edith Bowman and it's a delightful chat when I set the podcast up, there was a few names on a list of people that I was desperate to to have a natter with, and I got to chat to Edith uh, for the Pod Bible podcast, and uh, and when that finished, I was like, "Do you want to come on off the beaten track?" And she was like, "Yeah, of course." So we had a, a really lovely chat, and there's um there's there's a few kind of crossovers as well. Uh, the opening tune, the, uh, the opening track, uh, there's a nice little. Uh, kind of crossover point there as well which is uh which was lovely to uh to, to discuss um before we get on with the episode just a few thank yous thank you to scribius pip and everybody at the distraction pieces network thank you to 76 for producing this podcast obviously all of these pods are recorded over zoom now so um it puts a little bit more kind of work his way to try and you know give you the best sounding podcast we can um with the you know the limitations that are in place that we can't go and sit in a studio opposite each other anymore. So um, we're doing the best we can to ensure that you still get a nice warm sounding podcast. So thanks to 76 for doing that. If this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then when you finish listening to this uh, wonderful chat with Edith, go and have a, a rummage in the archives because there's nearly 200 episodes now and you can hear me chatting to guests as diverse as James Lavelle to Melanie C., to the Deftones, to Chuck D, to Tommy Lee, gosh, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, uh, yeah, Swade. Go and have a go and have a good rummage in the archives because um, I'm sure you'll find uh, some people that you'd be uh, interested in hearing about their creative journey to date and the records that have been important on that journey. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast uh, and get access to another four weekly shows, um, I put up four shows each week over on Patreon. Uh, and so from as little as about 80p a week, you can support the podcast and get a bundle of radio shows that I put up on there where I play the records and, and have a little natter about the songs as well. I also put some video episodes up over there and stuff. Uh, you can find out about all of this stuff at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with a wonderful Edith Bowman. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. We are recording, sitting opposite me today, Edith Bowman. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thanks. Um, before Always we... got a smile on your face. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, before we get on with um, your song choices, Edith, I always just obviously it's been a very very bizarre year, and I always like to ask guests like how they've found the last sort of eight nine months as as as, mm. as human beings and as 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 creatives as well. It's a really mixed bag, you know. I um, I would say right now I'm probably finding it the hardest, if that makes sense. Um, just in terms of it's been going on for so long. Um, and I think at the start there was, you know, it was a kind of sense of the unknown. It was kind of like, well, how long is it going to go on for? How much am I going to be able to do? Um what are the kids going to be able to do? Um, and so that was kind of, I mean, there were elements of fun in there, you know, in terms of us as a family being able to spend so much time together and do so much stuff together in our kind of, you know, little confined space sort of thing. But um, that was lovely. And then the homeschooling was interesting. Um, <laughs> um, and then the, Work side of things, you know, touch wood, I've been very lucky um, in that so much of what I normally do has continued. Um, a lot a lot of things haven't happened. Festivals didn't happen, obviously, which was a massive kind of guttural blow. Um, both for me and, and my husband, you know, he'd, he'd have been spending the entire summer kind of all over Europe in the back, you know, on a tour bus sort of thing. But then kind of on the flip side of that, for him, it's been, it's allowed him time to work on projects that he wouldn't normally have the time to do. You know, he's got three or four different things on the go at the minute. So that's amazing for him, you know, in terms of finding, finding, it's finding a good in this crap situation really, isn't it? I think that's what it is on a daily basis is finding the positive, thinking of the glass half full rather than half empty. But, um, you know, I was just on the phone to my mum and dad there sort of thing. And it was amazing, actually, because they drove down from Scotland to visit us literally just before lockdown. It was almost like they had an instinctive nature of going, let's get down. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, will I see them for Christmas? Will I see them before the end of the year? It's just that thing, that kind of connection and personal thing with people. And that's, I think, what I miss the most is that is that people thing. You know, I'm a people person and I've loved that I can do this kind of thing. And with my podcast, both... You know, it's been great in terms of podcasts. I've had three on the go pretty much. You know, yeah. my my soundtrack and one, um, the BMW podcast play next that we spoke about, and then the Crown podcast has just launched for which has been amazing. So in that respect, I feel like I've I've been able to have so many conversations, but there's nothing that can replicate that physical energy you get from being in a room with someone. Yeah, it's, it's I, I totally agree. Yeah. Edith, and it's, it's it's been like a double-edged sword, like podcasting. I mean, it's it's enabled, I think, people to kind of address how they approach it now. Because I'd never have in a million years, a year ago, mm-hmm. considered doing something over Zoom. It was like, well, no, you you go in the studio or a room and you Same. talk to someone. And I was really particular about that, particularly with soundtracking. You know, it was kind of, oh yeah, could you do a a Skype chat with X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, that no, it has to be face to face because. Yeah. But you know, it's it's for me. It's opened up a a wider world of people as well, particularly in the composing side of things, where I would never have got access to a number of these people because they're not normally part of that touring promotional party. Yeah. So now you know I'm able to get 
Terence Blanchard, Spike Lee's composer, via Zoom from his studio, and Harry Gregson Williams and Ludwig Gornson twice in the space of you know three months. That's unheard of. Yeah. So, like you say, it's it is kind of double edged sword, really. I think it's that whole kind of punk thing of like when when your kind of resources are sort of taken away a little bit, you go back, you rethink, and you you know you you do what you can yeah. with what you've got. And I think that that does totally. create exciting options. And I can't not do stuff. I am. I I, I mean, my old producer um, Mick Meadows used to like joke about me uh, having you know have I ever been diagnosed with ADHD because he's like I've never known anyone to be able to multitask with their brain as much as you can and and I think he's right because I need to be doing stuff I need to be busy I've got like to-do lists for to-do lists you know it's kind of (laughs) that's how I that's how I work infuriates everybody I live with but you know that's that's how I am well let's talk records for track one yeah uh, I'm going to ask you, Edith, for the song that you think's got the greatest ever intro. Well, I just mentioned Spike Lee there. And um, for me, I think there's, oh, I mean, this is kind of like, a, there, these all these questions are like probably we change on a daily basis um, because it depends on what emotion you're in with music. You music mm-hmm. Music's such a, an emotional reaction to things. But I think for me, when I was thinking about this, um, Public Enemies Fight the Power, is just pretty extraordinary for so many reasons. Uh, one, with a connection to what I do with the film side of things, is it came out of Spike Lee needing music and, and an anthem, really, for Do the Right Thing. So this is what Public Enemy kind of provided and with, and the fact that it's got this fantastic speech at the start of it. Um, and so many songs do that brilliantly. There's a great um, ending, actually, for the Paolo Nutini track um, with the Charlie Chaplin speech mm. at the end, which is, I think, is amazing. But the uh, Thomas Todd speech at the beginning of this Public Enemy track, you know, your civil rights attorney and activist, I just think, particularly now, it feels like such a such a raw and powerful and necessary piece of art. About four weeks ago, uh, it was episode 100, and our mutual friend Scroobius Pip um, interviewed me about my song choices. And no. my number, my song with the greatest intro was Fight the Power by Public Enemy. No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then fast forward this crazy time, which has opened up the world to speaking to anyone. I got to speak to Chuck D um, about Amazing. four weeks ago and got to ask him about that record. And it's just, the, I mean, not just the, 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 the song alone. As soon as I hear that, yeah. I see Rosie Perez um, in the, in the boxing gloves, just dancing at the beginning and do the right thing. Like incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so good. And just, you know, I love when a, I love when a song has got a, its own journey and story, even before it's been, made and that that did and it had such a purpose in terms of it facilitating this film but it facilitates so much more outside that it has its life outside that and it has a purpose and a necessity and a power um outside of it so yeah amazing well, that's such a small world eh? it is perfect sorry, answer. sorry to be like a broken <laughs> record then i'll talk about public enemy forever perfect choice it was either it was either that or cc music factory everybody dance now so it's <laughs> <laughs> oh but, uh, brilliant yeah. well, correct answer anyway uh, 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, completely <laughs> Good. correct. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, track two. Edith, uh, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that you had an emotional response to. Oh, wow. Um, it would probably be... Um, <laughs> Uh, from the score to Oliver, as long as he needs me. <laughs> oh wow! Um, because my, my our, one of my earliest memories with music attached to it is my mum playing Nancy and Oliver. Hold on, I've got a picture of her. Hold on, let me get you the picture to show you. I just framed it actually. Up in the house. Where are you, mum? Um, so um, hold on. So let me my headphones back in. Uh, I remember I was about three or four and my dad taking me along to our town hall to watch my mum play Nancy and Oliver. And so here's a picture of my mum. Wow, check that out. What an amazing photo. Isn't it great? Ah, cool. So, um, yeah, and so at the age of three or four, I thought that Bill Sykes had killed my mum uh, <laughs> on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad my dad's like no no it's just it's just just pretend darling it's just pretend so um so that i i have and i just think of my mum whenever i i hear that song it's an, and it's a beautiful powerful piece of music you know within that world of musical theater um which i don't think gets sort of celebrated enough as well Do you know what i mean i think that there's obviously some really naff cheesy musicals out there but i also think there's some absolutely brilliant ones out there as well and I think that Oliver's one of those ones that I think has I don't know it survived it survived you know the decades that since it was was written and and uh and retold as well but yes yeah, so that's kind of probably my earliest memory of having an emotional connection to a piece of music so what what was the emotion just pure horror that your mum was being killed by Bill Sykes but, well, it's 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 you know that that was pre the event of Bill Sykes murdering Nancy, not my mum, um, and <laughs> but the, I think it was just seeing my mum when in this you know in this performance and kind of being absolutely 
captivated. You know, I'd seen up to that point, I'd seen my mum sing around the house and uh, and things like that. And my mum was really, she, my mum had me at 19. So I re- we've got this great cine footage of me singing happy birthday to her at her 21st birthday and stuff in my nightie. And, and so music was always kind of around us and whatever point, but I'd never seen her perform like this before. And this, and she, and I just remember her putting everything into this song because it's such a, you know, when like songs are kind of really, you get to the core of the emotion of what it's trying to convey. And I think like this, that song really, really does it. So yeah, I think it was just pride to be honest at that point prior to her being murdered by Bill Sykes. <laughs> you, you mentioned um, music at home. Uh, growing up, like was was there always records in it on the stereo at home? Growing up, yeah, there was there was a real mix of stuff, and because I grew up in, uh, uh, I did grow up in the hotel, so my family had a little a little family run hotel that my mum and four of her sisters and their husbands and my granddad sort of ran. It's my granddad that started it, and so there was so much music around uh, from. Uh, we had on a Saturday night. We had a dinner dance uh, every night, you know. And I would be from the age of like eleven. I'd be helping waitress and things like that. So you, we had this band who played the same set of songs every week at this dinner dance, um, like everything from like on the road again uh, to um, uh, Connie Francis and loads of stuff. Uh, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash and just loads and loads and loads of stuff. And so there was that every week. There was at Christmas time, we'd have like discos and a, the Galloway jazz band would come and play. But then at home, it would still be, it, there would still be music around both. My dad's big kind of record collection, which kind of ranged from Elvis, Sinatra, um, Doctor Hook, Cream, Zeppelin, um, uh, The Beatles, all that stuff. And then mum, mum was more on the kind of musical theatre side of things. And Tina Turner flipping loves Tina Turner. She does a great <laughs> Tina impression, which she has done at weddings, christenings, all sorts. Um, Tina and Rod Stewart, my mum is the biggest Rod Stewart fan. First concert I ever went to, age seven, uh, Ibrox Stadium, Rod Stewart. And I think she took me to at least another six concerts after that. Well, let's let's yeah. keep it back uh, in uh, in the formative years, Edith. For track three, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. So, I when I was at school, I was maybe in second year at high school, and we went on um, a school trip skiing in on a bus. It took you like it was hilarious. It took you like two and a half days to get there. Two and a half days to get back, so you had like two days skiing when you got there. But um, it was more the experience, and we used to go with other schools. So you'd kind of find all these new friendships, and there'd be little romances going on and all this kind of stuff. And we went with a school called Balwiri, which was kind of like a big school compared to our little kind of, you know, east of Scotland fishing village school. And um, and the, there was a whole little gang of these guys at this uh, from Balwiri that we kind of befriended that... Um, I remember one of them being called Pete and I can't remember any other name, but they were all into Acid House and they had all these amazing Acid House compilations. And this was kind of like revolutionary for me. Um, And I, it kind of was my first sort of step into kind of dance music. It may be sort of probably 12, 13. So when Um, was this, 89? 
89 sort of thing. Um, and I remember uh, one of them giving me like a, a, a compilation album, a cassette, a compilation cassette that I played like, oh my God, non-stop. And I was just trying to like remember all the songs on it. Um, and then it got me into like Danny Ramp playing and all that kind of stuff. And um, But the Acid House, it was all, all that kind of really sort of, you know, like very early Prodigy was on there and stuff. Um, uh, oh God, it's trying to remember all the songs that were on it that I, I kind of, um, Little Louis French Kiss was probably the kind of one that was really sort of, uh, it was kind of like, what is this? It was like, it was, it was a journey with music that I'd never experienced before. And it was, and it, and it just made you want to, I couldn't stop listening to it. It was something that I just had on repeat and I would take the cassette with me so that I could play it kind of wherever I went, wherever there was a cassette player. It's it's still a really strange song when you listen to French Kiss. Oh, it's totally. Like, it's It sounds like it's been from out of space, that record. And Ab- it, it, Absolutely. It's got like an other, weirdly, I, I, I was sort of thinking about it. It's got a kind of otherworldliness to it. And... Um, and it's it doesn't really fit in a box, which is which is what my my favourite music is when you can't really describe it. Like oh, if you, it sounds a bit like that. It's it's good when you can't do that because it makes it so unique. Yeah. And so, I I love when I can learn about music from people, not being not reading reviews and things like that. Because I I always deliberately shy away from reading reviews of music and film because I don't like being told what to like but when someone will play you something or give you something and that's I guess what I get from soundtracking as well as I come away of and learnt something new with every episode um, but yeah that track and it still sounds so I hate using the word fresh oh I hate using that word but it does like it still sounds like it still sounds exciting when you hear it because it doesn't, it, it's it's got a really strange sort of, it, 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 a, a very strange BPM for when you look at all the music that was coming out there, all the aforementioned artists that you spoke about there. Yeah, n- yeah. That was all full on hardcore and, you know, rave and acid ass, hands in the air. Yeah. It plods yeah. French Kiss. It's a strange yeah. tempo and it's, it's like. It's a bit like, it's a bit like it's been, and also it hasn't, it's like it's been cryogenically frozen. Because it hasn't really aged as t- at all as well. Totally. It's, it's, like, it's like another... For me, there's records like that. that and I'll put that next to like Donna Summer, I Feel Love, uh, Fool's Gold. Songs that, yeah. that, that just sound different from every other bit of music they ever created as well as an artist. But yeah. just don't fit a certain time. They could come out tomorrow and it'd be like, wow, what's that? Like, yeah. I swerved yeah. the word fresh there as well, Edith. <laughs> yeah, well done. I didn't. <laughs> How was um, school? School was all right, you know. I just kind of, I was, um, I was quite bright, so I could kind of just sort of doss about. But then I got a sharp shock in my penultimate year, where I basically dossed about too much and failed everything. So I had that one year to kind of sort of get my act together. And it wasn't really that. My mum and dad didn't really push me into, you've got to get good grades. It was kind of do your best. Um, 
and there were things I was good at and things I wasn't quite so good at. But weirdly, like I did, um, like I really, I really liked math. Basically, I had a really nice teacher, Mr. Patterson. He was brilliant, and so I think that that's half the battle, isn't it? When you've got a good teacher, you almost kind of want to do well for them as well as yourself. And my modern studies teacher, um, who was called Miss Low, we used to call her Fanny Low, and uh, she, um, she was like a kind of battle axe, but I really kind of got on with her, uh, and so again, it was like. I loved learning about kind of modern history. So we did a lot of stuff on, you know, South Africa and the apartheid movement and all that kind of thing as well. So that was something that I really kind of was was excited to learn about and know more about and be informed about. Um, but then, and then weirdly, like I did, I took secretarial because it was kind of expected of you, weirdly. Like, oh, you're a girl, you need to... But I'm so glad that I did because... Now when I like sit at my computer and people go, flipping heck, you can type really fast. I'm like, yep, I did secretarial at school. <laughs> so I'm kind of slightly smug about that. It's the only skill that I'm kind of like, it's not the only skill that I learned at school. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, it's, the, it's one of the few that I still use. Um, and then I went on to uni. I did it, but I did it a kind of interesting way where I got to six years. I had not a bloody clue what I wanted to do. And so I went to my local college and did like an HNC and then an HND in communication studies because I had loads of subjects that I was interested in. And I think a lot of that came from working in the hotel as well as a teenager. You know, I'd work out front on reception. And so I did. And my mum would ask me to help with like writing ads to promote the hotel and local newspaper and stuff. So I did some part of that course was journalism and public relations and marketing. Scottish law as well was interesting. It's quite weird because I remember like, you'd watch telly and you go, you'd watch something like, um, uh, I'm trying to remember a law-based TV show, but it's like, oh yeah, I want to be a lawyer because yeah. like you'd watch TV shows and you'd be, you'd aspire to be things that you could, yeah. you would see within these kind of roles on TV. Are you thinking about LA, then, LA Law was the one, wasn't it, in the nineties? I think it was the one. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. It was LA Law. Um, and then I went to Edinburgh to uni. I got into the second year, the degree of communication studies, and then worked my way into the local radio station. So I was all right at school. I got by. Was you confident? Yes and no. Um, I was chatty. And it's kind of weird because I think that that maybe had the lack of confidence, maybe. Because I know even now that if I'm in a situation with someone that I'm really nervous, I just talk at them. It's a I do the I, I genuinely do the I carried a watermelon moment a lot <laughs> with people. And kind of go, I mean, I've I've done it. I did it. You, if you listen to this week's episode of the podcast with Ludwig Gordonson, very much the whole episode is me doing I carried a watermelon because I'm like such an awe of him. Uh, and then I kind of got to walk away going, oh, you idiot. So, But I love that I'm still like that, you know, after having done it for 20 odd years and shows that I still love what I do and I still get genuinely excited about things. Um, but I think that I'm not naturally confident. I just, it's weird because confidence can be seen in lots of different ways. I think, I think I'm confident because I can talk to people. But I'm not the type of person who's got confidence they can get up on a stage and perform. Like, my other half does that. And he's the 
he's the most um, shy person in an in an environment like on the, at the school gates. He gets really, really nervous talking to pay, but he'll get up on a stage in front of thousands of people and absolutely kick ass. It's so interesting. Confidence can be. It's almost kind of like you can have a confidence switch for certain things that you need them for. Um, I think it's being confident in your abilities, isn't it? And I think maybe if, that's if what you it know is. Know what your strengths are. I mean, are you driven, Edith? Yes, I would say I am. But I'm driven because I love what I do. So I think that that's what drives me because I'm so excited to see who I can get next for the podcast or. You know, I've got a couple of different projects on the go at the minute and my poor agent is just like, oh, my God, somebody just, <laughs> you know, get her off my hands for a minute because I'm so I'm impatient and I'm driven. Um, but really, I think that lockdown, both one and the sequel, have kind of encouraged me to slow down a bit and take stuff in a bit and kind of go rather than sort of going I want to do that or I need to do that it's like well what have we what have we got here right now do you, do you struggle to like you know go right do you know what I haven't got loads to do this afternoon so I'm gonna I'm gonna relax do you is it your go-to thing to think what should I be doing yes I've got a pile of books down here one of which is um I'm desperate to read it because I met her a couple of weeks ago. Um, Grace Campbell's book, Alistair Campbell's Daughter. Yeah. It's called Amazing Disgrace. And then Reggie uh, got me this one, which is Art Rebels um, by Paul Lopes. So this is a two of about 20 books that I have to read. And I can't find the energy to make myself sit down to read that. <laughs> I'm rubbish. I'm so rubbish. I don't know if you find it, but I have, there are almost like there's a window of opportunity within a year psycho that I'm in a reading mode. Yeah. I mean, I read nonstop for work stuff like emails and research things and whatnot scripts. But in terms of like, yeah, like for The Crown, for example, I had to, we started doing the interviews for all the cast of The Crown before the first lockdown because we wanted to get those done whilst they were still filming this this season. Because after the season, it changes again. Yeah. And so there was nothing for me to watch at that point because they were still filming it. So I was sent all the scripts. So I like, I inhaled them in a day. So I've got it in me. But I know that if I sit down and pick up a book, there's about 10 other things over there that I could be doing. It's <laughs> yeah. so weird. Honestly, when so I go on weird. holiday, like my suitcase is like literally 70% books because I never get around to ever reading them until I go on holiday. And then it's like, right, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that over there. I'll take it on holiday. And it's like literally yeah. my luggage allocation is literally just paper. And I get annoyed when I come back in my office and I see the pile. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. I can see behind your shoulder. I can see the Beastie Boys book. And oh, yeah. That book... I listened to the audio. I listened to the audio version of that. The oh, audio really? Book version, which is amazing. Yeah. And also, tell you another really good audiobook version is Richard Russell's book. Oh, right. Richard Russell from XL Records. Because yeah. Richard, he does it and he's got, he's done this brilliant thing where he's gotten quite a lot of the people that feature in it including his wife, Esther, who's one of my best friends, to voice their own little bits where they come into the book. It's oh, really amazing. clever. It's a really good listen. 
Oh, I'll check that out. Yeah. But the Beasties was the last one I read, and I, I made time for that because it was like... The, the Johnny Marr one's good as well, Set the Boy Free. I don't know if you've read that. That's a fantastic read. When I set this podcast up, Edith, I had one person at the top of the list to get on, and it's Johnny Marr. It hasn't happened yet. But it's like, oh, it, he's my absolute I'll put in a word for you. Oh, do it, do it. <laughs> so his, his, his daughter, Sunny, is basically the person who sends me so many books because she works at uh, publishers. Ah, right. And so I'm, I met Sunny, uh, God, it's weird how like COVID has like messed with the time, isn't it, in terms of how long ago things were. So that must be coming up for two years ago now. And she came along to this Q&A that I did with Johnny and she was so lovely, and so we kept in touch. And so she she sends me so many things, including one of my favourite ever books of the past, like, ten years, uh, which is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Taylor? Yeah, Taylor Jenkins Reid. And um, Reese Witherspoon has optioned it to turn it into a film, and it's the most amazing book. I read it thinking it was about a real band, and I went on Google at the end of it, and it's going, oh, my God, this is a fictional book. It was, it's written so brilliantly that I thought it was all real. So good. Because I had, I had Niall on, his son, because his son, Niall's yeah. in um, Hans Zimmer's band, Hans Zimmer's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have, you, have you had Hans on? Uh, I've had Hans on the BMW podcast, and... Where I'm, I'm hoping to get Han before the end of the year because he's got a whole host of he's got about eight scores that he's done for films, but because the way that things are working, stuff's been pushed back. You know, in terms of cinematic releases, which is such a shame. Obviously, you know, part of the lockdown is that the cinemas have shut again. But, um, but I I feel like I need like a month of Han, like almost to do a Han season. Yeah. Um, because it's, yeah, I mean, I've met him, he's brilliant and he's so up for it, but I just want to get it right. Yeah. I don't want to kind of waste it. Him and John Williams, and we're there. Wow. I am. Um, there was, I got a thing yesterday about the 30th anniversary of Home Alone. Does that make you feel old? Um, that, uh, they're re-releasing the score of that. And so I got in touch. I mean, I email John Williams people at least once a week going, hi, me again. <laughs> um, and I was willing to basically just fly to California and just sit outside his house to see if I could get him. But um, those are the two kind of wish lists. But, but yeah, Hannah, I'm I'm desperate to get on, but I need to do it properly. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, where the hell do you start? Well, we've just spoke about some very cool music there. So let's see if it stays cool for this one. What was the first song oh, you God. remember buying from a record shop, Edith? So I bought two seven-inch singles, and I still have them. Okay. Uh, this is quite nice. I hope it shows the kind of depth and breadth of my musical tastes. Uh, Tony Basil's Mickey. Great. And Prince When Doves Cry. Oh, wonderful. I even dressed up as Tony Basil at Halloween. I know it's not like a Halloween costume, but in the Mickey where she was like the cheerleader with the red, white, and blue, I loved that song. I loved that video. Yeah, it's such a great tune. I was, as I mean, I, I was born in. I'm 47, and I was, I was probably maybe seven or eight when that came out, and I had the yeah. biggest crush on Tony Basil. She was so cool. Because am I right? So sexy as well. Did she go on to become like a a choreographer for loads of really famous? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's she's almost a, like you know the um, 
the the woman, uh, oh, Debbie Allen from yeah. Fame, who was the choreographer within the show. She's a bit, she's a bit like that. But she, I think she went on to do like, to act and stuff as well. I'm just going to quickly have a look, actually. But yeah, dance was a big thing of hers. Um, and she's, yeah, she's been in loads of films as well. And but the, yeah, Mickey was 82. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. And Prince, when Dove's Oh my cry, God, that song. Did you ever? It was kind of like stopped me in my tracks. That I remember. I don't know how I heard the song first, but we. So I came from Little Fishing Village, and the way that I was, I could get my records was there's a little shop down in the the village called the Lighthouse, and it was like this multiple, multifaceted sort of little shop that was a a, a light shop, the Lighthouse, and at like a little hardware shop, and then. It would have a select, it would have like the top 10 singles and then a couple of albums and then old singles, obviously, that I hadn't sold. But then if you wanted anything specific, you had to go and ask for it. And so I remember going in and ordering Prince When Doves Cry and Mickey and going and picking them up. And I wrote my name on them. I've still got them downstairs. I've got still got my name on them. But that was an, an, what well, still is an amazing piece of music. Good opening as well. I think incredible guitar. opening. Um, yeah. Did you ever flip it over and play the B side? Yeah, but I can't remember what it was. It's called Seventeen Days, and it's it's my favourite Prince record. And Is it? It's stunning. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. So if you if you dig it out, flip it over and play Seventeen Days because it's an absolute cracker. And at well, that do. point, like seeing like. Top of the Pops and seeing the video and seeing like Prince on that purple motorbike, it just like, yeah, he looked like something from like like a movie star. From, oh, completely, completely, yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you ever get to meet Prince? No, never got to meet him. I th- he walked past me, um, at the Brits one year when I was doing TV stuff, and I was so taken aback by how little he was. <laughs> Oh, really? Is he as little as people was, say? I think it was, oh, it was him and Kylie Minogue, actually, were, like, walking, they were, like, chatting backstage, and it was kind of like, they were the same size as each other. And it was kind of like, but then he kind of, and he, but he just, he just had this aura about him. You know, people can see, like, colours around people and stuff. Emily Evis can do that. She can see colours around you and stuff. And it's like, he, I can't do that, but I, but I still could see this thing around him. He was like, he just had this presence, this kind of just extraordinary kind of like hypnotic nature of just being in the same vicinity of, as him. And then as a performer, he kind of defied logic, didn't he? And defied kind of expectation. And he was one of those people as well. Like my kids don't think of music within genres, which I think is such a healthy way to look at music. And he, for me, was one of those artists that really tried to break down that that kind of notion of having to put someone in a box and pigeonhole them and describe them as a type of music because he encompassed so many different types of music. Yeah. 100%. Let's move forward for track five to the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please, Edith. So me and my friend Susie Grieve uh, used to go to this club in Dunfermline called The Cronk and we were underage. She was going out with one of the DJs. We used to kind of 
we would be in the DJ booth, which apparently we were allowed to, even though we were underage. I don't know, anyway. But um, they used to play loads of hip-hop and loads of... And it was when um, Three Feet High and Rising had come out. And so me, myself and I, whenever I hear that, just takes me right back to the cronk. And I I played that album like bear. I loved that album. I could, I could recite all the little Skits. incidental bits in between the songs and Della Orgy and all that kind of stuff. And um, my mum was kind of like, what the fuck's this kind of thing? You know what I mean? But she just sort of was like, okay. Um and I I just loved that environment. And it was such a small, for you know, in, in Fife as well, it was kind of like, it's not really the metropolis of Scotland. Do you know what I mean? It was just outside Dunfermline. But it had such a great atmosphere and was like, I, it was definitely an influence on me in terms of how music has been, how I've, how I've needed to have music as part of my life and my career because the physical reaction of being in that club and that environment and and feeling so liberated about how you moved and reacted to the music as well like we used to we made up this stupid brilliant little dance called the teapot that we would do to this to me myself and I mean Susie and still now when I think about it it just makes me like warm and happy from the inside out I loved it and I love that song. You, you said that. I just, I guess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It might not be a kind of obvious kind of clubbing song, but for the soundscape of that that particular club, the Kronk, it was such a big anthem. I think it you know, should never be overlooked the importance that that, that record had on, on, on music and, and especially hip hop because you said to your mum's like, what the fuck is this? It was like, you know, we grew up, you know, of an era of, of, of hearing things like NWO and Public Enemy and Eric B being this super militant, angry hip hop. And all of a sudden there's these three guys that are dressing like, you know, like a lot of the, the whole Daisy Age thing. They, 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 they weren't talking about what they had. They were just talking about love and they were talking about, yeah. All of the things that we was getting in the UK from the second summer of love, you know, the fashion that they were wearing, yeah. the beads and the kind of baggies was like the roses were wearing it, and like you know, the, absolutely. It, you know. I remember going up to um, to stay with friends. Uh, I say, well, I remember going to stay with friends in Manchester. My mate Jason and he took me to the market in Manchester to like 
to that it was just like stepping into that world that kind of almost like crossbreed of like like you say like the sort of Manchester scene and the roses and and all that and happy Mondays and the, and the sort of De La Soul world as well it was kind of like almost like this amazing sort of shopping market of of kind of clothes and records and memorabilia and art oh, was amazing Oh, I need to dust off me purple wallabies, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> For track three, I'm going to take you home, Edith. A favourite song from uh, an artist from your home county, please. Well, there's, Fife has definitely produced quite a lot of good artists. Um, we've got the Beat a Band. Lovely. we got uh, Kate, the fabulous Katie Tunstall. Um, I love Katie. She's up from... She's from uh, up in St Andrews, she went to the kind of, it's really funny, the school that was our kind of NMA. Um, but um, Kenny Anderson, oh, Kenny Anderson um, from, King, well, King Creasel. Uh, I'm going to pick him because he did an amazing um, lot of stuff for our area in terms of he set up Fence Records. The Fence Collective was all based up there. Um he set up Home Game Festival, which really put our area on the map on an international level of um, of kind of just how everything doesn't have to be city-based. Because my kind of, you know, I moved to Edinburgh, then I moved to London because the opportunities for me weren't there when I was growing up. But then what Kenny did was just this, extraordinary thing of going you don't need to move to do what you want to do you can still and so he did that and so I'm eternally grateful for him of drawing the attention to our area but also what it brought to that area in terms of encouraging young people to be creative and young people to pick up an instrument and to yeah, and then for me, the, the the record that he did with John Hopkins, um, Diamond Mine, which I just thought was a brilliant collaboration and a brilliant piece of music. Um, that uh, Anything from that record, to be honest, is just, I think it's brilliant when you, and I love the kind of cover of it as well, because it's, it's kind of two old kind of, I think one is like, a, he looks like a sort of sea merchant, sort of captain of a ship with his pal who, you know, it's, it's kind of land fading pal and they're just sat on a bench with the coast behind them and it's absolutely beautiful. And just the idea of a kind of diamond mine, I think for me, is kind of what the East Nuke is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And the funny thing with Kenny as well is that I grew up with Kenny's music in that he was in a Cayley band with his dad and his sister used to do the sword dance at Cayley's at my mum and dad's hotel. So I grew up watching Kenny play the box the accordion and his dad's band and then to see kind of where he's gone and what he's gone on to do but also just very proud of him and and slightly in awe of what he's done in terms of giving back to our area and what he's done for it musically and creatively i think that's 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 incredible and that's the complete essence of why i set this podcast up edith because the the, it, the whole name of off the beaten track was bred out of that kind of um conversation that I, I, I had with, with, with Scroobius, um, who, who lives yeah. just up the road in Essex from me. And the amount of people that go, oh, you don't live in London? And he's <laughs> like, yeah. no, and I live in Essex. 
And whereas everybody else from Essex, like the horrors and things, they all relocate to London. And it's just that thing that you have to move to the big city to to, to get your break. Yeah. And, and I think if you can stay where you are and create a scene in the area you're from, that's so impressive. Yeah. And I, I couldn't. It it wasn't, and it wasn't just because there weren't, um, there wasn't the opportunities there. My mum will tell you from a very early age that she knew that I was kind of, you know, I was kind of getting out and going yeah. elsewhere sort of thing. I needed to, I needed to go and explore. But, you know, we moved out of London. I, I've kind of, I've moved out to the sticks where my husband grew up, basically in Gloucestershire. So um, it's, uh, I feel like I've done it in a, in a you know, in a, in a different way sort of thing. But um, I'm so kind of envious that Kenny was able to do that. And I'm so proud of him as well, though. And, and what he's managed to create is just stunning and continues to be yeah. as well. And it's rare that people can do that. And that's what makes absolutely. it so good, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. Right, Edith, you can play DJ for the last one. Uh, it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, yeah. please. Right, this this is going to sound really cheesy, but um, I think particularly, uh, particularly with where we are right now and both kind of politically and you know as a as a as a human race with the whole kind of lockdown thing as well. Um, my other half did an album a few years back with Andy Burroughs called Funny Looking Angels uh, and by Smith and & Burroughs and they've got a new record that they've, they've got coming out next year but there's a track on that first record called When the Thames Froze that is lyrically so so like of now um, I mean there's a lyric in there that is God damn this government will they ever tell me where the money went and you know, just in in relation to to what's been going on over the last few months with things, with the reaction to COVID and uh, and all those kind of you know under the table deals and things that are going on on top of everything else, sort of thing. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of music. It's got a real Christmassy vibe to it. So it's got this kind of really uplifting melodic tendency to it, but lyrically it kind of counteracts that with this kind of really quite hard hitting question really um and so i love this song um and i'm very proud of them and what they've done with it as well and i just think it should be and is a bit of an anthem for now well we put together a spotify playlist of all your choices and some of the other songs that we spoke about so people will be able to go and uh, listen to amazing and check out that tune um oh wicked before we finish including as long as he needs me of course Yes. <laughs> uh, before we uh, before we finish, Edith, as as we get to you know approaching the end of a, a very bizarre year, um, yeah. What are you? Let, let's just remain positive that twenty twenty one is going to be you know a time of change and, and and a return to some some more freedom and stuff. What are you looking forward to personally, and what's happening professionally? Um. Personally, I am. Um, I'm looking forward to, to hugs. Um, I'm a real hugger, and I've missed hugging people um, a lot. And I find that I can't do the kind oh, of elbow I can't thing. Go there, mate. And I just, uh, I miss, I miss hugs. I miss just kind of, you know, every year about this time we would, me and all, all my kind of 
we call ourselves Team Crap on our WhatsApp group because we are generally crap. And so we would kind of get together for like a Christmas lunch or dinner sort of thing and just like put the world to right. Just being able to do that. Um, so that's that's people and and hugs is kind of what I'm really looking forward to. On a professional level, I mean, there's loads of things flying around, but who knows kind of what's kind of going to stick or is going to be... I've got we've got another episode of this BBC Four show, Life Cinematic, that I did. So um, I did an episode with Sam Mendes and Sam Taylor Johnson, and I recorded one remotely with Sofia Coppola. That's going out next Wednesday, twenty fifth, I think it is in November. It'll be up on iPlayer if if this goes out past that. But um, I'd really love to be able to continue that type of thing of being able to talk about film in a really celebratory kind of positive fashion on on TV because I'm kind of done with the whole review things it's like why do we need to waste our energy on saying someone's crap let's just pick pick five three five things that are good yeah you'll feel better about it rather than go nah, I wouldn't bother it's like yeah. why why waste that it's like um, so uh, that's my kind of thing is just sort of trying to trying to kind of generate and create sort of positive vibes really excellent Edith it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so thank much you for your so time I love this thank you I can't <laughs> wait to listen to the playlist <laughs> thanks loads Edith oh take care love you stay safe yeah. there you go Edith Bowman oh one absolute delight um yeah great and I mean anybody that chooses fight the power as the greatest ever intro well, she's won. She's won off the beaten track because, uh, yeah, same page. Love it. Um, so huge thanks to Edith for, for guesting. Thanks to you, lovely lot, for listening and supporting off the beaten track. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, if this is your first time listening, then go and have a little look in the archives. Better still subscribe. Um, I'm also on all the social medias. Um, just search uh, off the beaten track podcast and uh, and if you see us on there give us a, a like love share retweet and all of that stuff because it all helps get the word out because this is a a labor of love this podcast and I, and I get so much joy out of doing it and if you do want to contribute in any way shape or form in, in in supporting it um you can do that over on patreon um where you'll also get access to four weekly radio shows and lots of other bits and pieces from as little as about 80p a week and uh yeah you can find out about that at off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast.com i'm done thanks again to edith thanks to you lot i'll see you next time be excellent to each other love you lots bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. 
Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat a 